Welcome back to the Cruise Elite Podcast. In this episode, I talk to our very own Strength and Mobility Dojo member, Dr. Sean Perrow. Sean and I met last spring when he joined one of our free mobility challenges. And as soon as I started interacting with him through our platform, I remember thinking, this guy just gets it. During the show, Sean talks about his incredibly successful experience in our hip mobility challenge and how he made huge strides that allowed him to start making the progress that he was looking for with eliminating his pain and improving his health. He even shares the struggles he encountered along the way and how he overcame them to get where he is now. Sean is unique because he's actually a chiropractor and he blends multiple different approaches to help his patients. As a Cairo, Sean has now started to use the material he's learning from our membership, and as he explains, it's really elevated his professional practice. He even shares a really cool story about a client's success with a young female athlete. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. Are you ready? Let's get into it. Sean, what's going on, man? How you doing? Happy to be here. It's your birthday. It is my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> it and is it's and it and it's your day off it is my day off so That's... and i'm here with you so i'm three for three <laughs> nice dude um i i really appreciate you being here and taking the time to do this i wanted to get you on the show because i've got some questions to ask you i i find that well first of all we've never really even had any facetime together yet so um, just so our, our listeners know, like Sean is one of our current members in our in our strength and mobility dojo, and he found us through one of our free challenges. That's how Sean and I got to be friends. And so we've had many, many interactions, but we haven't yet been face to face. So this was a really, really cool opportunity for us to get together and talk about his little journey here that he's gone on. And I think that, <clears throat> Sean, it's, uh, it's you're a really... Um, you're going to be a really cool person to chat with because not only are you a fitness enthusiast and someone who's really interested in improving your health, but you're also a chiropractor. That is cool. And so, yeah, so um, that is uh, really, really cool. And I want to, you know, take advantage of, of getting to chat with you because of the unique perspective that you have on the whole experience you've gone through with getting involved in our programs. So... You know what? I don't even know where you live. Let's start there. Where do you live? So right now I am permanently a resident of Georgia. Okay. So I live in Canton, which is about an hour, well, with the traffic, two hours outside of Atlanta. And gotcha. um, I work in Roswell. So we're about the perimeter outside of the um, actual city of Atlanta. Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So um, I remember when I when we were chatting, I was like, I don't even know what time zone he is, but... Um, this made it easy. So how cold does it get there? Like, um, what do you what do you consider winter? So winter to us, a good winter would be the lowest 40, but it can get to 30, maybe below 30, a yeah, little yeah. bit of snowfall. Um, originally, I was born in Brooklyn, moved to New Jersey. So I'm used to a lot of snow. And then I went to undergrad in Buffalo. So, oh, so you're you're no stranger of the winter. No. So when I decided that I wanted to go to graduate school, I wanted to go somewhere a little bit warmer. Yeah. And that's actually where I met my wife in chiropractic school. And her dad is the um, head chiropractic uh, doctor in our office. He's the one that designed his own chiropractic technique. Very, very cool. Very, very cool. Yeah, man. We, we just are, our weather up here in New Hampshire is snapping cold and I'm just kind of 
thinking I'm not ready for winter, but um, yeah, so usually winter rolls around and I just put my head down and work hard through the winter and try to get to spring. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, so let's, let's get into things, man. So um, I'm trying to think back and kind of create a little timeline in my head. I believe that you got involved with our programs back in like March, last March, around that time when we ran our first uh, free hip mobility challenge. And I was kind of hoping you would talk a little bit about why you joined. Because I remember, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I, I think what I sensed when we started chatting a little bit on the platform, when you started getting involved, what I sensed was that you were sort of in a somewhat sensitive place with your own body uh -huh. and you were just looking for some new things to try and obviously you were drawn to the hip challenge for some reason i'd love to know what that reason was and i'd love to know where you were with your your health and your fitness um, what was that sensitive place if that's correct and then we'll just kind of talk about um, how you applied the material because i know you've had amazing results both personally and professionally yeah, so um, besides it being free, you know, and I thought right. in the and I thought in the beginning it was too good to be true, um, and I was completely wrong. So, <laughs> so basically, where I was in my life, I was at a place where I was just sick and tired of being um, in so much pain and discomfort. And every day was a different story. One day it would be in my ankle, one day it'd be in my knee, my hip. It was like, almost, I was afraid to get out of bed. Cause I wasn't sure what was going to be achy or painful. Right. And I would, I would, I would monitor the way I would move. And I would always think, why am I moving this way? So at that time, uh, let's take it back two years prior, I was dealing with, um, upper cross upper cross syndrome so basically yes. i was dealing with severe neck tightness chest tightness to the point where if i stood up quickly i would get dizzy i would lose breath shortness of breath so having conversations with people was difficult and that's all i do every day is have conversations right. with people so i literally felt like i was constantly winded um i was having burning in my hands and um, I always felt that I had this pressure, this gripping pain in the back of my shoulder. So to me, the biggest motivator to get anyone to do anything is pain. Yes. You know, someone's going to do, you know, people are going to do something, whatever that is, because of my lifestyle and because of my choices, I knew that it had to be on me. Because I went through that route of looking externally and trying to get help elsewhere, doing this, that, and the other. And I realized at the end of the day, nothing was working. So, so then um, I stumbled upon my one of my um, uh, professors at my chiropractic school. I went to go see her because I knew that she was an out-of-the-box thinker. She taught a course that was so beyond chiropractic and it was looking at the muscular system. And at that time, I was um, having questions about, you know, if I have if I'm seeing a patient weekly and they're coming in with the same subluxation. So if there's a different misalignment, why am I correcting the same thing over and over again? Mm. I started to lose you know, faith in the chiropractic profession, there needed to be more. And then I realized that they were only training us to take a test. That's basically what it was. Right. So all, so all my learning 
all my learning and all my exploration came after school. And that's when I developed before the upper cross syndrome issues. I've developed, you know, foot and ankle pain, uh, sciatic pain. Um, I blew out my back. That was that was a crazy experience. So everything traveled from my feet. And then I thought it, it was the worst when the sciatic pain came about until it got into my neck and my shoulders. So then I knew something was wrong. Right. So so then I started to explore and I started to look at um, functional range conditionings, FRC, right? Yep. Yep. That, right? Yes, I am. Yes. Yeah. So then, so that's what led me to that journey. And I did that for a whole year and things were getting better until they completely backfired. And then everything started to come back again. And interesting enough, I was, I was, um, you were showing up on my Instagram and I was looking at your information. I was like, wow, this guy knows a lot. And this information is amazing. But like you said before, most people are like, but this isn't for me. Mm-hmm. You know, because I kept yes. thinking, I was like, this is maybe, maybe down the road, but this is not for me. So then, so then all of a sudden you started to pose this hip mobility challenge. And at that point, I felt like I was at a dead end and I said, I have nothing to lose. And as soon and at that time, interesting enough, my left hip was in severe pain because I was trying to, um, I was trying to um, perfect my pistol squat. Mm-hmm. So, so I was jamming into the joint. I was being too aggressive and I couldn't understand why my hip would one day feel good. Then the next day it would feel bad. It was just constantly up and down, up and down. And then that's when the hip mobility challenge came about. And I said, you know what? I think I'm ready for this. And I think this will be uh, of use for me. And from that moment, day one, when we had our first call, I knew that everything you said resonated with me. It was all the questions that I was thinking, but I couldn't, I didn't know how to uh, address it verbally. I didn't know how to ask the question. I just knew my intuition was, was telling me that this is everything I needed. And I couldn't believe after that first call, I finally felt like this relief that I was in the right place at the right time. That's awesome. And so on that first call, I'm assuming that first call probably thinking about how we ran that challenge we probably got into the assessment process on that first call mm-hmm. what what was the part that what was the aha moment for you what what thing did you learn that seemed to really shift things for you and give you that that drive to move forward with the challenge well when you showed us that we were going to use a of like a functional movement assessment and you gave us options and then you put us through a, a non a potential non-threatening drill. And then when I saw that my forward bend improved significantly by doing, I think the first drill that you gave us was a lateral ankle tilt. I was just blown away by that whole experience. I just yeah. couldn't believe that um, I didn't have to do, you know, the other things. I would have to do five things to accomplish what we did in one drill, which right. was just standing, rolling on the outside of the ankle. And then it made sense to me when you said that when you have a non-threatening stimulus into the brain, it gives you permission to access our range of motion. And to me, I am a firm believer in that. And that blew my mind. Which which probably is somewhat similar. I mean, everything I feel like we've taught inside our challenge and our membership, you've always been the guy to catch on to it immediately for obvious reasons, being educated and experienced as a, as a health and movement pro. 
but it's you know that whole concept that I'm teaching probably isn't even that far away from how you think as a professional as a chiropractor right. but what it seems like is you just hadn't yet had an experience to understand how to use that from a fitness and movement you know perspective on yourself absolutely, absolutely. yeah that's that's really cool yeah, we were taught, you know, the information that we were taught, we were taught all this in school, but the problem that chiropractic school that I feel had was we didn't really get a grasp of how to apply it. Right. You no, know, so we did we did a lot of like evaluations, but then it, it ended there. And I felt like I was cheated because of that. Right. And when I got into this program, the first thing I also thought was this is what should be taught in every healthcare professional school. It, it should be. It should be like understanding the nervous system like this. It's so game changing. And like for me as a personal trainer um, and coach, you know, I felt the same way in terms of my education. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the deeper you go and the more drive you have to help your your clients and stuff, the more you realize I've got to jump on this continued education journey because there's so much more there's Absolutely. so much more and and for me the driver was always you know i had to learn more because observationally with my clients the results were not up to up to my standard mm -hmm. and i'm sure that's how it was for you yeah because we assume one size fits all and that's not the case everyone right. is so different everyone responds differently to you know different um stimulation so why do we assume that the same thing is going to work with the same person and the thing was it was awesome because the things that i was doing yeah we get maybe three four patients it they would have beautiful responses and then we'd get the fifth patient nothing seemed to work and then then it would be the next patient nothing seems to work Right. And it would be frustrating because then I realized then that I couldn't assume that what I was doing for another person, I would expect the same thing for that other individual. It doesn't seem to be adding up. And right. that was where I, I felt discouraged when I was in practice. You know, I felt that um, I'm missing something. Yes. And, and I definitely want to talk to you at some point here about like how you're applying the material that you've learned from from our philosophy, how you're applying that professionally and combining it with what you're already doing before we even get there. Mm -hmm. So so now we've we've kind of learned about how you got involved with the hip challenge and and how a lot of the education really drew you in and made you feel like you were in the right place. Now let's talk about like the application of the material material, because what I remember is when you were getting involved is that you you were you were, you know, ready to do the work right you started you started applying it and i remember having some early conversations with you regarding the whole philosophy around the threat bucket mm -hmm. and the reason why i feel like you were so successful at the beginning is because you really adopted that idea and you were able to listen to your body based on what it was telling you so when you got a poor assessment you were able to make some smart decisions based on a poor assessment and maybe understanding that a certain exercise wasn't for you. And when you got a good result, you were able to really take that and run with it. You really understood the piece that I'm trying so hard to get across to everybody, which is if you know how to assess and reassess and you know how to listen to that response, it helps you make smarter decisions moving forward. I want to talk to you about like, how did you use the material? 
you know, I think you probably struggled at one point trying to figure out like, how do I find the right exercises for myself? Tell us about a struggle and then, you know, what did you do and how did you get through that? Where did it take you with your results? Right. So um, the cool thing was because of my experience and because of my patient's experience and the interaction that you and I had, it led me into making those decisions. You know, for example, if I was doing a goblet squat and I was feeling um, um, the pinching sensation into my hip, I started to realize and think what non what what are my drills that are, what are my drills that are high payoff based off of my assessments in that similar position, whether it's a closed pack position or an open pack position. And I started to play around with that because I started to think about, okay, so what is going to benefit me in that certain position? And that those are the drills I stuck with. And um, for example, I would do a half kneel hip hourglass. And right. that was one, one drill that was one of my biggest, um, my highest payoff drill and i would sandwich that i love that sandwich idea that you gave me that like blew my mind yeah yeah that's all it's so it's so simple but can be so effective yeah seriously so i would so i would first do my squat to assess how i was feeling and then um i also would use my assessment to determine the amount of weight and the rpe scale that you told us about because i knew about the rpe scale based off of the frc um, yes. a model, but their, but their model to me was always about increasing and building tension into the body and starting, you know, and starting at like a low tension, but going all the way to a 10 immediately. Right. So, so to me that, that, you know, it felt good because it taught me how to control that internal tension, how to create, how to generate tension throughout my body right. and how to scale it on a 10 scale. But the problem was, how did I know if my body needed to be at a 10? Right. And that's what you taught me, you know, and then I started to realize that if throughout my day, if my threat bucket is being filled and I'm going into my workout with a 10 out of 10 in my threat bucket, it doesn't make sense to me to build tension on top of tension. Yes. So what I started to do, this was the craziest experience that I actually had. So the first time I actually, before I even worked out, I um at my apartment complex that I was living in at the gym, I decided to do some breathing drills. So I laid down on the mat. I was the only one in there. All of a sudden, next thing you know, I woke up startled. I look at and I and I look at the clock and it's been 30 minutes. So I was doing my breathing drills and it put me in this deep, like ninja state sleep. <laughs> I and I woke up. And I actually startled, I scared another person that was in there that was working out because he had no idea I was even on the floor. He didn't even know that I was even in the gym. And he was like, you're like, what are you like some kind of ninja? <laughs> That's what he said, because I was so quiet. And then I realized that before my workouts, I needed to, I needed to reduce my, my threat bucket. I needed to reduce the amount of tension that my body was enduring throughout the day before I even started to strength train. And that was a game changer in itself. Interesting. So, so I started to implement more of the breathing, more of the um, high payoff drills, taking my time with them. And then I started to notice that my workouts were so much that they were more effective. Yes. I didn't have, and even though, um, 
you know, I had a workout plan and to do, you know, the stuff that you gave us on top of that, it would take two plus hours. I realized that, you know what, I could always shorten and, and, and uh, make sure that my strength training was, uh, the quality of it wasn't compromised, but I didn't want to compromise or take away from the stuff that you were implementing because that to me was way more important because with that, that, um, with those, um, tools that allowed my strength training to be more effective. And then I walked away with, uh, no pain. I felt more energized. I felt like I, my recovery was so much quicker. So I started to see these changes and it's all about exploration. It is. You know, I, I can't assume that one thing's going to work and I stay with it. I have to try a couple of things to really see what works. And yeah. it took, it took that whole time, you know, I'm still figuring it out. You know, it's not going to happen tonight, but as you play around with it and as you see these changes, you start to um, see patterns and you start to understand more about your body. And, and I love that some days when you feel like you're on, your strength training is so much, you know, stronger. You can go a little bit heavier, and then some days it's okay to pull back. And I, and I and in my mind, I had to be okay with that because I lived in that no pain, no gain. I needed to sweat. I needed to make sure that I was um, feeling, you know, I was feeling that all my exercises were super, super heavy on a daily basis. And I realized all of that was contributing to my pain and to my discomfort. Been there, done that. Learned learned the hard way more times than I like to admit. You know, that's so cool what you're saying because it really is, it, it comes back to what I think is probably the most important aspect of, of health and fitness to teach a person, which is to listen to your body and to try to figure out, like, how are you actually responding to the things that you're doing? And then making good decisions based on your response. And like you said, sometimes that decision can be, let's ramp it up. Let's work harder. Let's take advantage of this. And other times it has to be, hey, let's take a step back. Maybe focus more on some self-care stuff, some high payoff drills, or maybe in some cases, skip the workout altogether, pick up where you left off tomorrow. And, you know, it's, it's funny, man. Like, it's not... <laughs> you really are are um, probably experiencing this too. It's not the exercises as much as it is the education in understanding how to make smarter decisions. Because like you were saying, FRC is good stuff, right? Yeah. It's good. It's good stuff. And, and the stuff that we put in our programs is good stuff. The exercises are good. Almost everybody at this point has good exercises. But what is missing is the education to not only be able to make them a bit more specific to you in your brain and your nervous system, but the education on what do we do when things don't go the way we intended them to go? And how do we make those decisions? Because if you can figure out how to make better decisions based on how you're responding, then you start to move the needle in the right direction consistently reducing threat in your threat bucket and improving your performance and decreasing pain. So that's the interesting thing for me now at this point is it's not about finding the secret exercises that are going to unlock all this, you know, amazing stuff, but the exercises, they have to be good exercises, but once you learn how to use them and, and, um, and how your body's responding, that's the key. So 
um, really, really cool insights that you've had on that part. Now, let's um, let's now talk about this is I'm really interested in this because I've heard a few of your stories at this point. But I want to talk about how you've taken what you've learned from the hip challenge and our membership in terms of the nervous system all the stuff you're applying to yourself. I want to know how this is impacting you professionally. And I know that you've shared a couple of cool stories. One that I was thinking of was an athlete that um, was a pretty high level athlete, if I remember, and she couldn't touch her toes and that always bothered her. And then you were able to get her to touch her toes almost immediately. Just like walk me through like what it's been like in, in I guess, what are you applying as a professional that you've, you've taken from the, uh, the programs and the work you've done with us yeah so um so i've changed the way that i treat my patients so i call the first month is the threat elimination phase love it and and it's the most amazing thing because we you know i having conversations with patients i find out that people aren't sleeping well they're not breathing well they're they're not eating the right foods a lot of them are into this intermittent fasting and yes. I did this for, I did intermittent fasting for about two years. Been there, done that. Only oh I God. did it for seven. <laughs> yeah, right. So, so I realized that, yeah, I felt good in the beginning, but then all of a sudden I felt more inflamed. I felt like my energy was lagging. I just didn't feel right. But, so. but how, but how, how could that be? I how know. could that be? Intermittent fasting is the best thing you could possibly do. And everyone's talking about it. And yeah, I had the same experience. It, it and felt amazing at first and then it wrecked me later. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And the crazy thing about that whole experience is if I if I ate more or ate the you know, ate the right foods and the timing, because when I would come home from work and everything was always time based. So I would always compromise eating something before I worked out. And then looking back, I'm like, no wonder why I was feeling worse after my workouts. Mm-hmm. So, so those are conversations that I have with patients because, to be honest, they've seen every healthcare professional under the sun, and then they come to us. And to me, that should be the, you know, other way around. But yes, unfortunately, that's how our healthcare, our sick care system is. And um, and they always tell me no one addresses this. No one talks about any of this conversations. So, so I, I bring it into light about the lifestyle choices that people make and how that could be keeping their pain and discomfort in place. Um, so that is, so that is a big part of our conversation that we have now. And, and do then, you mention, do you mention the whole threat thing? The whole yes, threat bucket? The, the whole threat bucket. Absolutely. Oh, nice. That is a huge, yeah, the whole threat elimination phase. That's a huge people seem People seem to understand it pretty well once you, once you map it out. And it's just such a great way to explain perceived threat to somebody who is not super experienced in, in health and movement stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and I tell them the number one goal is to, is to remove threat out of their threat buckets so that way we can accomplish more and we can get to their goals and this will help them and i'm telling you um since i've started this people have responded so much more quicker because they before all of this they would come back and yeah they would respond well but then it would come back and then we would be playing this you know up and down game and i can never get people fully stable and i also make sure that they're aware of, te- um, 
for them to ask themselves questions about, you know, how much sleep did they have? You know, the, what they're eating, did they eat, you know, just to pay attention to those things and to see that. And then they come back and they're like, Oh my gosh, you know, this was happening. That was happening. And it really gives people a sense of peace and calmness in their brain. At least it does for me to realize that when something shows up, it's, we always want to blame it on, oh, the treatment's not working. Oh, the exercise is the problem. Mm-hmm. But they never really want to think about uh, potentially, is their lifestyle the problem? Right. And that puts it on them, which is great because we're a team. You know, we're, we're supposed to be a team. It's not all on me. I'm not watching my patients 24-7 to see what they're doing. Based off of my experience, I can tell the difference between a night of um, – decrease sleep to a night that I've had a, a plenty sleep and right. I could see how my performance it, you know, I could see how my performance, um, um, reacts to all of that. Yes. Right. So, so, um, I started patients on that and then I put them through a functional range assessment. I use the toe touch. I do the trunk rotations and then we find a non-threatening, non-painful range of motion. That, Fantastic. Um, that's, and that's the stuff that we're, that we use in our, cha- in our challenge and in our program. Love it. Absolutely. And I love my favorite is when someone has, um, neck stiffness or, or neck pain, but they can turn their head left and right. And we go through a non-threatening drill and then all of a sudden their neck rotation improves significantly or they don't have pain and they're like they're blown away they're like what is this voodoo what did you do how is my (laughs) foot connected to my neck yes and i and i educate them and the big part of that first month and it's an ongoing thing is is education because i find that if people understand and they and they learn how to listen to their body then they don't come in and they don't put the blame on me for the treatment not helping, which is huge because I oh, that's know such that a I good can point. help people, you know, I know I can help people, but at the end of the day and based off of my experience, and that's why I'm blessed and thankful that I, that I'm going through this is because I can look back and, and I could think if, if this is how I respond to these things, then everyone's responding to something, you know, in their own different way. Yeah, that's, those are such great points. And you can tell me what you think. I, I think I know what you're going to say <laughs> because the, when it comes to the whole range of motion testing as like part of your baseline assessment for your clients, one of the coolest things that I think comes from using that is being able to finally engage the person in the process it, rather than them just being there while you do what you do as a professional. They now are with you and engaging in how am I moving? How am I feeling? And you're giving them authority over their own body mm-hmm. and they're able to tell you, hey, this is better or no, this is not better. Right. And I feel like when you put the person in that position, it's super empowering. And all of a sudden they're like, wow, not only is my body telling me if this is good for me or not, but this professional is listening. Yes. And then when you feel cared for in that way and you understand that you now get to make decisions based on how you're responding, I feel like that engages a person in such a way that they've never experienced before that that in itself is motivating. Like for me, when I first got into all this, I was like, wait a minute, an exercise can make me better and I can feel that in the moment. Another one can make me worse and I can feel worse in the moment. I'm just going to go do all the stuff that makes me better and now I'll be Superman. Absolutely. And that's literally what it felt like. 
Mm-hmm. Because I think in so many cases, when we're trying to problem solve our own issues too, we do something good maybe, and then we cancel it out with something else because we didn't really know what the response was because we simply weren't testing. Right. Yeah, so it's so it's so fun to see people go through that experience. And for me, actually, and I'm sure it's the same for you, like it never really gets old. And just that client engagement makes it so much easier to help a person. And I think it motivates them to do more work on their own. Absolutely. And they're having fun assessing everything. They're like, yes. you're telling me you can assess everything? I go, have fun with it. The yes. food stop eating, have fun with it. You know, yep. and it's amazing. I used to, this was kind of funny. I used to, I went, so I'm a forever student a forever nerd and I, and, and when I'm invested in something, I'm all in. So I would, so I would use my assessment to see my response based off of, you know, this is going to sound kind of silly, but sometimes my, my threat bucket would definitely um, increase based off of like my wife mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and, and, and she would, and my neck would tighten up. Hey now. Yeah. <laughs> So I started, so, so it's funny because I wasn't aware of how my body would react to stress, um, stimuli. So I would do, so she would say something and I would do my assessment and I would notice I would get a bad assessment. So then, <laughs> <laughs> a true, a true neuro, neuro geek. I'm telling you. And then, and then I would do a high payoff drill. And then I started noticing that my body's response to that stress stimuli changed. And I, and because my threat bucket, you know, whatever level it was, and then, you know, sometimes things in life will set you over, you know, the overflow that threat bucket. Yeah. Um, You start eliminating it. And then you realize that your body's response to that becomes less because you're, you're constantly just taking things um, out of your uh, threat bucket. So now when she says something that used to um, heighten my sense, uh, senses and, and tense my neck, I don't get that same response anymore. Because your so threat now, bucket's not as full. Yeah. So then I started to, you know, and I, and I was just implementing, I was like, is this in my head? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just going to roll with it and it's working. So, you know, I'm just going to. You can use yeah. that threat reduction phase to save your marriage, guys. <laughs> yep, there you go. I'm telling you, anything, anything. Yeah. So, uh, so, that's... um, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So, um, so I started implementing that in the practice. And then, um, with uh, the athlete that we were talking about, um, did you want me to further? Yeah, please. I, I really want to hear a story. Um, yeah. one of your, one of your, I've heard multiples now at this point. Tell me, tell me one about, um, an experience you had that, that was, uh, stands out to you. All right. So, so um my patient she is a freshman in high school and being from the north coming to the south people take their sports very seriously Mm -hmm. and i don't know if kids are like this now but i've never seen this type of elite you know i watch movies and i hear these stories of like you have these families that have uh their goals and their ambitions or to get to a um, D1 college and, you know, professional, you know, athletic teams moving forward. But, but this was one of those families, this was one of those families and it was intimidating at first, but then, you know, I did some self-talk and I was like, I can do this. I can help this individual because I have the tools and I have the knowledge. And I kept hearing your voice in my head and I was like, we'll take it one step at a time. 
So, so she, so she comes into the practice and she has um, severe hip pain, hip groin pain in the left side. And they went to every specialist under the sun and they go to the top, you know, these um, professional um, um, healthcare providers are for like professional um, teams. No one can help her. And, and basically she had an orthopedic surgeon said the only option is surgery. And I, my jaw just dropped because I'm looking at this family and they didn't want to take that as an answer. And she definitely didn't want to take that as an answer. Um, she was really nervous. And I could tell that her sense of threat was at an all time high because she thought that at the age of 14, she would have to go through surgery. Right. And, 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 and this was for hip pain potentially Yeah, for hip pain. Yeah. But not necessarily like a, Hey, we got a diagnosis for you. This is just a painful hip. Painful hip, and I saw the X-ray, saw the MRI. It was all clear. Wow. So, okay. So answering answering to pain with potential surgery—that's where things get sketchy. Yes, exactly. Right, because pain pain is an you know an output of your brain, and it doesn't necessarily match the severity of an issue, and it doesn't necessarily come with a diagnosis. Right. Exactly. So so um, they come into the office, and they were driving from North Carolina, so they drove three plus hours just to get to our office. Um, they referred to us. And once I sat down and talked and spoke with them about what was going on, we started right away. So we used a functional assessment and that's when I found out about her toe touch. And when I asked her to, if she could do a forward bend and I was making sure that it was non-painful and it wasn't, she looked at me hesitant and I didn't understand why she was hesitant to touch her toes. And I didn't know until after the fact, but I use that as an assessment. We use the squat as an assessment because it seemed that the pain was only worse when she was active. So she um, played volleyball and then she was getting ready to try out for the varsity basketball team as a freshman. So so this was in August and um, and her pain level was eight to a 10 and she practiced every day. And it would come down to a five. Okay. Yeah. So, so um, I put her through the assessment and then we started off by doing a couple of drills just to see how her body responds. We used a forward bend. We did um, a standing hip flexion. Uh, um, and then we also did um, a squat. So, um, all, so her squat pattern was dysfunctional. She, you know, I could tell that she was um, swaying to one side. So then we did a lateral ankle tilt, just kind of see how it went. Then all of a sudden she was able to touch her toes just by doing <laughs> a lateral ankle tilt. And she jumped up in joy. And I swear she had tears in her eyes. And I and I thought that it caused pain. I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> I was kind of, I was still trying to figure out the situation. And her mom looks at me and she goes, she has never been able to touch her toes. And then she said, do you know the girls on our team make fun of her for that? I was like, make fun of her for that. I've, cause I've always been able to touch my toes, but I never thought that it was, you know, right. A big thing. So she's told me that the girls make fun of her cause they said that she's 14 year old, years old and what 14 year old can't touch her, their toes. And that's mm -hmm. one of their stretching drills is doing toe touch just for whatever reason. So, so anyway, so she was really ecstatic and then we kept doing more drills. She was doing, she was getting high payoffs and all of a sudden her hip pain started at a five coming into zero. Her wow. squat automatically got better. 
Um, she didn't have any discomfort. And from that uh, forward on, you know, from that moment on, um, her parents knew that she, they were in the right place. And every time they come in, they're like, did you do everything in your toolbox? Tell Dr. Dr. Sean, you did everything in your toolbox. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. What was another, what was another high payoff exercise for that athlete? Okay. So, um, she, so the standing hip circles. Yep. Okay. And then we did, um, so we did the, um, single, single knee circles. That yep. was another one. The double knee circles, interesting enough was a threat to her. So instead of, instead of saying, we're not going to do that, I said, let's go ahead and try the single knee circles. Cause I knew that she potentially could have a different response, which she ended yeah. up we did um, tibial nerve glides, and then we did um, femoral nerve glides. Nice. So I gave her I gave her about four or five things to work on, and we also, you know, we went through other um, um, mobility drills, but some of them were uh, threatening, so we pushed them off to the side, yep. and then we stuck with the high payoff ones. So she had a volleyball game and I text I messaged them and I asked how did everything go? She had no hip pain and she and her mom was like every time she came out she went right to her toolbox, she did her drills and then went back right onto the court. Beautiful. It was, it was constantly like that. She did it before. She always did her assessments um before and after. Every time she um got a chance to come out of the game. She did her pre and post assessments. And I told her every single time you aim for a good assessment. If you get a bad assessment, do it, do it again, but do it better. Wow. And, that's awesome. And she did, and she stuck with it. And then they came back and the drills that were threatening to her on day one actually started to become high payoff drills so then we went to those drills that's amazing i mean that's yeah. that's that I, you probably heard me say that that's that happens all the time mm-hmm. with generally healthy people you a lot of times the stuff that assesses poorly you're able to go back and get good assessments those things transform into high payoff drills just because you're a healthier uh, better functioning human Absolutely. you're able to take them on that's so cool and i it sounds like she's a really smart athlete and um, really engaged in the process. And part of that engagement probably was because of you, yeah. which is awesome. That's so cool. And the fact that as a family, they didn't want to take no for an answer. Absolutely. Like, you know, when those kinds of people, you know, come to you, you, you already have an advantage with trying to help them because mm-hmm. they're not like succumbing to, you know, a diagnosis or something that, you know, a doctor saying, Oh, you, you might need surgery because surgery for pain makes no sense. If it's just pain, because, hey, we can work with pain. Absolutely. And and we can work with pain fast. Absolutely. Um, that's um, that's so cool. Um, you know, before we before we kind of get wrapped up here, Sean, um, what I was hoping you could share is some advice that you might have for somebody who is either beginning one of our free challenges or getting involved in our strength and mobility dojo. Because the people that typically find us are people like yourself, when you found us, people that have some kind of limitation, mobility limitation, a movement problem, or even pain. And I think that from just observationally, those folks, there's a really interesting window of time when those people get involved where there is a high likelihood that they could quit before they even get a chance 
to get the results that we know people can have. And an example of that actually, because we're running a, a hip challenge right now, an example of that was like, I noticed that one of the people who was initially engaged in our in our free hip challenge, I think has quit because they got really um, overwhelmed when one of the tutorial videos said like, hey, I want you to posteriorly tilt your pelvis. Mm -hmm. Even though right after that I said, that means pull your belt buckle to your forehead. They were on information overload because they were getting the education, they were getting the new application, and now they were in a place where they had to figure out how to navigate all that. And right. so it's easy for people to get overwhelmed for little things like that, but also it's very easy to get overwhelmed if you're a person who's in pain and you're looking for an entry point into a program, but your pain is not necessarily giving you that entry point. Right. I, I kind of was hoping you could give us some advice to people that are in that position who are trying to take back control of their life like you were. And what would you tell them in terms of dealing with those initial struggles that come up for everybody? Yeah, for sure. Um, I could tell personally I struggled. I struggled myself. And there were moments where you know, it's easy to fall back into that mindset of this isn't working. Why am I feel like I'm regressing? Um, I will tell you that after I did my um, operator nerve glide, I experienced severe, severe hip pain. Mm. And I realized that it wasn't the drill that that caused it. It was the the intensity that I was putting myself into that drill. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, so you always tell us when you do these nerve glides, you want us at a three out of 10 and, every, and that's of course subjective, right? So right. my three out of 10 was probably at a six to seven. Sure. And, and here I am performing them. And then all of a sudden my hip pain became worse. And instead of um, blowing it off, I let it calm down and I focus on my high payoff drills and I circled back to it and I circled back to a, the least amount of intensity that I could feel my, and then I noticed that my assessment was um, high payoff and that pain severity didn't come back and my hip actually felt so much better, like the best it's ever felt. Wow. Honestly. So by by it, tweaking by tweaking the way you were doing it and the intensity of how you were doing it. Yes, yes. So that's Very the cool. education. That's the education. Um, you know, part that you uh, implement for us, and that's why it's so important. Way more important than actual performing the drills because you're really teaching us a guideline, a map. And, and strategies to figure out what are the best, what is the best way to approach these things. And it, it takes time with these things. And there's going to be a lot of ups and downs. But the, pro but the thing is, when you feel like you're, at, you're, you're going down, that is the time to stay with it. That is the time to really give it a chance because then you're going to have that um, reference point of what is too much and what is, you know, the right amount. 
you have a way to really determine um, what is good for your body because without that, and we all fall into that, um, you know, um, pattern or we fall into those problems where one day we're doing things and everything is good and we're feeling it and listening to our body. And then all of a sudden we're doing it a little bit more intense and our body's not ready for it. So without a reference point, you don't really know how to gauge that. And you give us, and you give us the um, ability to be okay with that because it is all a learning process. And I feel that um, I can't tell, um, I can't tell you that the whole journey of this hip mobility challenge was, you know, um, rainbows and yeah. you know, sunshine, because it wasn't it, all the moves were frustrating um, at times. But then all of a sudden, it's like one day something clicks, Yeah, something clicks. And I love that you, you talk about the said principle, because the more you do something, and the more you really take the time, and don't rush through it. And if you have a whole list of you know drills to perform and you're feeling overwhelmed with them, then just pick one drill. And that's what I stuck with. I would pick one drill. And I recognize I have a whole week. I have a whole week to accomplish these things. So if I do half of the drills or if I do you know one or two drills, I'm my intention for that drill is to really connect with it. And that's how you get better at your practice. And one day you're just going to be like, wow, I really understand what I'm supposed to feel. And I understand this and I could really feel the emotion of my joint and I could feel the coordination getting better. And then all of a sudden you get this like um, you get this confidence that you want to do more. And then you're like, OK, let me try the next drill and see if I can do the same thing. And sure, behold, it happens. It happens. Yeah. yeah you just you, you have to keep going. Yeah. Right? You have to keep going and you have to be okay with the fact that as as humans, our our health in the moment is fluctuating, mm -hmm. right, based on that threat bucket. And like you said, it's more about the education. And if you can understand how to adapt based on where you are in the moment and you can give yourself permission to make those adjustments, you are going to win mm -hmm. as long as you keep going. Yeah. That's, this is that's, a life yeah right. this is a, this is a lifestyle this is this is part is. of your daily this is part of your practice i can't see anything else you know when you're in pain and the only thing that you want is to get out of pain and you want you don't want to have to worry about can i do this type of exercise because will it generate pain um when you when you're in a place and you'll do anything to get out of it and then you find something that works you're never going to look back you're going to always want to continue and yeah. and there's there's weeks where i'm not feeling my optimal i'm not feeling my best and you gave me the ability to be okay with taking it back you know and and just right. focusing on the things that i know that are high payoff based off of my assessment and i'll focus on that and then i notice that the next week i come i return i get back to it and then i start recognizing that my workouts are so much more effective than trying to you know push through it and trying to um you know go through that whole no pain no gain because at the end of the day that's really what's going to get a lot of people into trouble i love it man i love hearing that and i remember when when we were first getting to know each other going back and forth on the platform. And let me just say, you, you've you been such a wonderful asset to our community because of, you know, your your ability to, um, to share in the community. And you are super inspirational to other members um, because you're, you're constantly cheering others on, which is so, so awesome. And it really has just added 
a lot of amazing uh, energy to our community. I remember one of our first interactions and one of the things that you posted on our community page, and it really stuck with me. And you were telling everybody that only you can do it, right? Mm. Only you have the power to do it. And that's when I was like, I started really catching. I was like, oh, this dude gets it. He's <laughs> he's a he's a health professional. He's a chiropractor. And, um, you know, he's he's also a fitness enthusiast, but he understands that, like, it really is up to us. Mm-hmm. It's really up to us. And we can't put that responsibility on another health professional or even another program or another coach. But we have to be critical thinkers and we have to be open to the education. And then we are able to take that and use it to our advantage and make the progress in, um, in the long term. And like you were saying, you got to keep going. And it's not always going to be it's not always going to be uh, perfect. But if you uh, if you stay on track, you'll definitely accomplish your goals. So, dude, this was awesome. I'm so glad that we finally got this FaceTime. And everything you said was uh, really resonates with me, and I'm so um, grateful that you were willing to share it. Thank you so much for being here on the show. And, yeah, we will... Uh, we we will be chatting very soon, I'm sure, inside the uh, inside the dojo. Thank you so much for having me. It was an honor to be here, honestly. And what you're doing for the healthcare um, profession and the world is unbelievable and amazing. And I encourage everyone to get on board because there's nothing like this. I've done many programs in my whole entire life, and I will tell you that in such a short period of time. The results that I've received was the greatest, um, the greatest thing that I could ever give to myself and to others and the joy that I'm bringing into people's life so they can return back to what they want to do with pain free is just um, more than I could imagine. So I'm so grateful to be here and thank you for having me on the show. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that and your patients are lucky to have you. So we'll chat soon, bud. Okay. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to the Cruise Elite Podcast. If you want to learn more, please follow the podcast, check out our website and the dojo, and come along for the ride. I promise you'll learn valuable lessons and build a tool set that will help keep you training pain-free for years to come.